0: Jake, I'm one of the pastors here at the ring. It is good to see every one of you. I can see you well in the crowd. Uh, I joked earlier, we could just all go get some Sonic, I'll buy, you know. (laughs) Um, No, thank you all for being here. I know for me, uh, it's been a pretty hectic day. Uh, I tried to go see my mom and my dad today. And uh, I have sisters and nieces and nephews, and I hadn't seen them in a long time, so it was really good. I can only imagine what some of you guys uh, may have been running the roads today or, or checking in with your family or not running the roads, uh, but um, I hope your days have been good regardless of what you needed to do or what you, what you did today, um, and in, in line with that, let's talk about Mother's Day for a second. Uh, happy Mother's Day for the mothers here. Um, we have... Given a gift on behalf of you to uh, the Hope of Life orphanage that we have in India, and uh, it's it's a really special thing. um, From what I can tell, the girls we've got a relatively new section of girls in the orphanage, and the girls expressed a desire to uh, learn a musical instrument. And so, uh, Nabeen and Matilda they they said, "Hey, we could use some funds to facilitate this, to walk this down a path and." And so, actually, what we've done is we've given on the mom's behalf here, and we've purchased a keyboard for them. That's what they asked for, and that's, what, that's what's that's what been given. So, to me, I think it's really cool. I hope that they give something better on the dad's behalf, you know, just so we can say, hey, you know, uh, I don't know what that means. Uh, I think keyboard's a really special deal. I think that's a legacy deal. I keep thinking of the word legacy, like that these girls may latch on and may get to be very good, like, like uh, Phil Zito good, like uh, just um, really talented. And so um, I, I see that as a, just a great gift. And so I hope that you're honored and respected uh, by that. I have something else to say on behalf of Mother's Day. But if you are a mother, um, these magnets were given there, small sections of tile, and I wish they could say they were tile from uh, in India, but they're not. They're from Home Depot, I believe. Um, so <laughs> these small sections of tile, they say hope of life. Um, for Mother's Day, we'd like to, to give you one for you to use on your, on your fridge or whatever. But please accept that on, on your own behalf. Well, <laughs> great job. Uh, Mother's Day is uh, difficult for some folks. It's uh, great for others, you know. You know, you have... You have mothers who have kid or kids and uh and then you have folks who wish they had kids and you had folks that have uh, difficulties having kids for one reason or another you have moms who are in later stages of life and their kids might have moved on uh and so as i've gotten older only recently have i realized that it's not as cut and dry as uh hey all the moms stand up you know and everybody's happy and some folks really struggle with that. And so as you read blogs and read things that come out this time of year, you know, uh, it really illustrates that point. So so there was one blog in particular that was sent to me that wrote a list, and it covered a lot of, of life circumstances in terms of mothering. And uh, I didn't want to just blatantly plagiarize that, so I began to pray about you guys and about our body, our community, and I wrote my own list. And so just uh, humor me. I, it's, I like the spirit of the list. So hopefully even through the uh, grammar and everything you can, you can see it. So let me read this list. And, uh, so mom's an extremely complex word. Mom is a complex job. Everyone has a different idea when they say the word mom or when they think about uh, their mom or that mom figure they had in their life. So as I think about our community, um, I say this, I say moms who've lost children, um, we join you as best we can in mourning and grieving. Women who long for children but have faced the physical and emotional pains of infertility, we hurt with you with love and care. And I'm trying to speak on behalf of our body, I hope you'll join me in that. Women who've lost their own moms, uh, we grieve with you. Moms who are doing a, a lot of momming and dadding by themselves, we're sorry. Uh, please help us understand how we can carry a bit of that burden for you. To those who had children added to their family by birth or foster care or adoption, it's been a joy to celebrate with you. Moms who've experienced miscarriages, uh, we ache with you for a hope that's been unfulfilled. Women who, uh, who've grown up in stressful or damaged relationships with their own moms, we pray for you. Find peace and, and allow our Father to set your identity, not your past. Women whose current lives, they just don't look like they imagined uh, like they did in their youth. Although we, as a body, may seem awkward and sometimes dismissive, we know the pain is there and we long to continue to walk in community with you. To those moms who wake up day in and day out, regardless of drive or motivation, and work a job unlike any other, we praise God for you. To those who kiss scraped knees, thank you. To those who sometimes have to be the bad guy for the sake of goodness in their children's lives, those kids won't stop loving you. To those nurturing, growing, and changing hearts and minds, I for one could never fill your role, you're amazing. To those partaking in the divine nature as they care for bullied minds and hearts, we're thankful to God for your God-given mom heart. To those who pray for a real and alive faith to be accepted by hearts and minds, regardless of age, keep praying. You are obedient and steadfast. To those who step-parent, we know you're walking in complex paths and relationships, and we are there for you. To those facing emptiness for one reason or another, we love you and want to be there to help. And to those with children growing inside of them now, we celebrate and we look with hope to a time to hold and to cherish them. To those who are tired, basically all of you, thank you. Y'all pray with me. Lord God, I thank you. Um, I thought about our people and I thought about all these situations and all the circumstance we've walked through together and all the different places in life that, that you've really brought us, that we're here with you in. And... Uh, I thank you for that, even the hard ones, Lord God. I know it's easy for me to say because I haven't faced all of those difficulties, Lord God, but I thank you for bringing us here today to know you and to walk together as a community, Lord God. May we be teachable and moldable. Lord God, I thank you for the moms. I thank you for the wife who has become a mom in my house, and I thank you for how amazing she is. Lord God, I thank you for the women I've been allowed to do community with and to do life with, to be part of their family, and I thank you for those moms and how good they are and how just gracious you are to us, Father God. May we not rely on our own strength, Father God, but may we walk forward with you, and may they be honored and respected and uh, loved, and may they know it even when their children don't show it to them, Lord God. May, May they find their identity in you. May all of these women find their identity in you. And know that they are loved by the King. We love you, Father, and we thank you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, like I said, when you get a chance, come up uh, after the service and grab one of these magnets. Uh, I am going to preach tonight out of Second Peter uh, chapter 1. And what I'm going to preach on is basically godliness. I want to preach out of the context of that passage. But I... Uh, I want to preach really a sermon that I wish I could have preached uh, three weeks ago or four weeks ago before Josh preached on disciplines because he, uh, you know, I could have really set him up very well. Uh, You know, he needs as much help as he can get. Um, No, uh, he preached uh, three weeks ago. He he began a, a, a small series on disciplines. John preached. I was... Uh, on a mission trip somewhere doing something really noble. Um, that's not true. I was out of town. I'm sorry. I missed, I missed John. And then Josh preached again last week. And what he did was he drilled into the spiritual disciplines aspect, and he preached on tithing and confession and, and Sabbath. Beautiful things. And, and he used, I forgot to grab the quote. Um, Amy, y'all, man, y'all don't necessarily have that, inviting into the path of godliness. I'm sorry. Uh, Josh used this wonderful quote. Where basically we're being invited into uh, the paths of love, into Christ's paths. and and that really frames our, excuse me, study on uh, the spiritual disciplines. Um, it just so happened that somewhere in there, I was walking through Second Peter uh, personally, uh, which was a really good thing. I'm usually a, a devotional guy. I, I really struggle with personal study. I don't know about you guys. We could go around the room since there's a few of us. You know, if y'all want. Some confessional devotional time, um, but I ended up landing in Second Peter chapter one, and I want to tell you this this passage. Uh, it's so rich, and like I just talked about, if you were looking for something to spend some time in, um, it's extremely rich. I'm only going to scratch the surface tonight, and so um, let's do that together. Uh, you could churn on this for I don't know years. Honestly. So uh second Peter chapter one verses three through eight. I guess we'll have those up. Sorry I know through threw your curve with the <laughs> um, His divine power chapter or verse three, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, um, as I was personally going through these things, one uh, very beautiful passage of scripture, like I said, something you could really abide in for a long time, pick apart. Uh, I would encourage you to do so if you, if you feel like that. I'm not going to try and go through all of these characteristics that start in... Uh, in verse five, in fact, rather than go through all of them i 'm just going to go through one. I, my interest is peaked in in the term godliness, and when I talk about Josh having just preached, he was hitting on godliness as well, uh, kind of from a different angle out of first Timothy, but very much uh, you know in in unity and so uh, you find this word like sixteen times in the New Testament you find the you find the idea so many times in the Bible, but you only find the word godliness 16 times. Let me see. It says, it's in uh, Timothy, Titus, and uh, Peter's letter in Second Peter. Now, Peter wrote this. Um, I'm going to try something. Since there's a few folks here, Jamie, where was Peter when he wrote this letter? <laughs> Anyone? Huh? Jail? Chelsea. 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 Chelsea wins. Jamie, I'm coming back to you. Um, Peter was in prison, and and he writes in verse uh, 14. I don't have it. I didn't give it to Amy, but it says, "Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me." Peter's sitting in prison. He has a good idea that his death is coming soon. So don't just breeze over that. Like, uh, <clears throat> there's two things. He's sitting in prison. He's in the depths of despair. Uh, at least physically, right? And he knows that he's going to die. The records show that he died within a year of writing this letter. So he was pretty spot on in verse 14. Can you imagine that? How would your speech and your actions change if you knew that that, that was so close? You know, within a year that, that death was coming? You know, what what would that be for us? What how would our speech, how would our actions, how would our uh, attitudes and motivations change? Aside from prison and foreboding death, it's Peter. He's crazy. He's impetuous. You know, all of the uh, gospel accounts, like it's just, uh, he's just quick to speak. He's not always smart. He's not always faithful. He's not always uh, wise. But here at the end of his life, he's Leading us through truth and leading us through goodness and pointing us back to Christ as, uh, as he tells us, Christ, his power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So if Peter can do this, surely we can. It's a beautiful picture of sanctification, of movement, of growth across your life. That even if you feel now, like some of the things I'm about to talk to you about, if you feel you may not be good at godliness... Uh, It's not, it won't always be that way. So we look forward to growth. We look forward to sanctification. We look forward to goodness being grown out in our lives. So I was piqued. I told you about godliness. When I started out, I was scared uh, that when I looked up the term godliness, I would find that the definition was be like God. And that to me was scary. I I didn't want to read the dictionary and say godliness like God, you know, like, oh, man. So you're telling me i got to add godliness to the rest of all this stuff. I feel like I have to add. I'm being super confessional now as one of your elders. Sometimes a Christian life is difficult, right? I feel like, one, we're called to do certain things, and two, sometimes I don't feel very good at these things. So if I go to look up godliness and, and it's be like God, man, I'm kind of like going to set that one on the shelf for 30 years, you know, maybe revisit it later. You understand? Like, does that that are you tracking with me um so i you know honestly i was a little scared but i was i was very happy to find what i found when i began my study i want to bring that to you so very often when we say the word godliness it's grouped closely with holiness and righteousness um i was talking with a friend the other night he was like i never really thought about it you know i never i never really uh, thought about it, I thought, I thought it was basically righteousness. And there were some things when I studied, it it said it's a synonym of righteousness. And I thought, man, that just can't be right. You know, this doesn't make sense. So let me tell you what I found. I, one, I, I don't think that's incorrect. I, I, who am I to say that a dictionary or a biblical or uh, theologian's dictionary is incorrect. But let me tell you what I did find. Amy, will you put 1 Timothy 6.11? This is a very elementary idea. I'm not a, a very smart man. But as for you, O oh man of God, flee these things. He's talking about the love of money. He's talking about earthly lust. So pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. So I've thrown two huge lists at you tonight. But here, godliness and righteousness, they don't necessarily stack up. So let me, let me just touch on this real quick. Righteousness for a simple man like myself uh, would be easy to think of as right standing with God and, and true goodness. And we know that Jesus has accomplished that for us. He is our righteousness. We are able to stand before the Father because of the blood of Christ. So <clears throat> aim at and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, which is patience, gentleness of heart, holiness, we've recently talked about. Uh, Josh has taught on this in the recent past. Basically, a working definition for the ring is that holiness is being set apart for God's glory. So, let me tell you about godliness. Uh, Righteousness, godliness, um, holiness, all very closely related, but not. There's a difference. So, the word used in um, verse 7 or verse 6. Sorry. Sorry. Virtue, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, self-control, steadfast, steadfastness with godliness. The end of verse 6. The word used for godliness there is a word, a Greek word, called eusebia. Uh, Jack, what what does it sound like? Oh, man. <laughs> there you go, dude. Thank you. Eusebia. Uh, f- from you, meaning well, and sebomai, to be devout. I'm going to read you some definitions here. Denoting a piety or a a goodness or correctness which characterized by a Godward attitude does that which is well-pleasing to him. It is a godly heart response. It is the inner response to the things of God coming from reverence to him. Uh, One of the uh, commentaries I read said godliness uh, is a very practical awareness of God in every aspect of life. Please hold on to that because that's my... That's it. That's the crux. Number two, awe Awe in the presence of God and the obedience that befits that reverence from William Barclay. Godliness is the awe in the presence of God and the obedience that fits that reverence. Again, Barclay says it's the attitude which gives God the place he ought to occupy in life, in thought, and in devotion. So let me just sum up how I've been thinking about it as I've been thinking of bringing it to you. It's all than action. It's, it's God uh, showing us who he is, which he has presented himself to every one of us. I feel safe in saying that. Um, he's presented himself to every one of us. He sent Christ to die on this cross, not this cross, but this is a symbol. Uh, we know what those things are. We know what he has done to, to, uh, to and for us. We know his redemptive story in our life. And so, excuse me, what happens here if we're adding godliness to faith? So if godliness, again, is an attitude that brings about obedience out of the awe of God, it brings about obedience out of God having that right place in our lives, in our everyday lives, in our every area of lives, what does that mean? So verse 5 says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge. I give you you the list. So every one of those things is built on faith. Faith is not something you and I have conjured up. God has given us a faith. He's allowed us to open up the eyes of our heart to believe upon this faith that his son has come for us, that sin has broken the world, that he is ours and his death on the cross, his blood atonement is ours. It is ours to have. It is a free gift of salvation. So we're building on a faith that was given. You have been presented truth, I can assume, uh, over a long amount of time, whether it's been a week or 50 years, you know. You've been shown the truth, and many of you have come to accept it. And so now Peter is saying, take that faith and build on it. Take that faith and add these things. Now, we're called to good godly characteristics and that attitude so we won't be ineffective or fruitful. That's the big kicker, right? Like, okay, so what happens if we don't add all these things? I know I'm only talking about uh, godliness, but but that's what Peter says in verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful uh, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have a faith that was given to us based on the life laid down for us. And now we're called to add the attitudes, the characteristics that give God that place that he deserves in our daily life. Based solely on who he is and the awe that's generated, right? We sang in worship, I hope that worship brings about awe in you. I hope for me, I'll just say I hope for you. I know for me that worship brings me back to a right place, right? There's never... I say there's never a time I do some serious worship in the truck, but like uh there's never a time sitting at my desk where I can just cut loose you know and hit some hit some hymns or hit some choruses, you know um, I guess I've never tried, you know, maybe that's what I'm talking about, <laughs> you know uh, <laughs> so he is awesome, God is awesome. How dumb of a statement is that, like for me to say. He is awesome. I can't convince you of that. You have to know it. You have to bring that faith in and accept that gift and and know that he is true and he is awesome. And so what Peter's asking us to do here is take that awe and allow God to have his right place in your life in every area. And that's kind of the kicker because I think a lot of us are okay at some of this stuff. Uh, Bible studies or community groups, some of us are very, very... um, present here. We don't miss church. You know, those are kind of easy because we're all of fairly one mind, right? We're here to, to give him the glory, do his name. A lot of times, sometimes not. I know everyone has bad nights, but, um, this stuff is easy. It's the other stuff where I know I am horrible at allowing God that place that he deserves in my life. Just, just due to who he is and what he's done. So <clears throat> what Peter does here. Is he actually makes? Uh, he uses some verbs that are uncomfortable for me as a as a pastor. I'm I'm not a full time preacher. Uh, I'm, I've only done this uh, maybe once or twice a year. You know, for the last ten years, I, I I'm not. This is not my wheelhouse. Um, and so there's a tension for me. To try and read this and to study this and to deliver this to you, because there's a lot of there's a there's a huge amount of doing if that makes sense like for us i can 't speak for everyone, but for a Baptist kid like me like me, um, the phrase let let go and let God was used right and and we 're just supposed to sit back and let him do his thing, you know, and that 's why it always amazes me, Josh preaches, he's still got it sitting there, the yoke, where you come in next to that, that seasoned veteran, or he, he uses the yoke, and we talk about the bull, the young bull, uh, getting in line with the older bull who knows what's going on, and, and, and that bull for us, which sounds weird, is being Jesus, and so we join in with him, and we learn from him, and we give him uh, uh, deference, we give him our lives, and we allow him to teach us. So it's just hard for me to find balance because in 5, he says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. And so there's not a lot of let go, let God there. I don't know if you noticed. There's a lot of, hey, do this and do this. Uh, Amy, would you put on that that New American Standard? Don't tell Josh. I'm I'm coming out of the ESV. (laughs) Well, let's uh, scratch that from the podcast. Um, it's a, let's look at the NASB. So now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and, and the list continues on just like the ESV. But this is a lot of work, right? This, is, this isn't Christ is going to do this. This is, hey, do this apply all diligence, supply moral excellence. So let me talk to you about this for a second. So in, as, uh, in the NSB, the Greek here, uh, the word forgiving or applying that for after the first comma, that first command is the word applying. It's a Greek word called uh, periasphero. And it's beautiful. It, its meaning is to bring in besides or to contribute besides to something. So I just talked about the yoke. I just kind of saw it out of the corner of my eye. And, and this is nice. This is, this is so nice. Um, Paris Pharaoh, to bring in besides. So I see it now. Maybe I'm processing Josh's sermons. Christ invites us into pathways of godliness, into pathways of love, this is that invitation. God has called us to bring it in alongside with his work in our lives. He's allowing us to contribute something, right? We're not, we don't just sit back and go into hypersleep or whatever you want to call it. We don't lay in the hammock for years and years and years and we wake up and God has made us these scholars and these world changers, all of these things. The Greek word says to bring in besides and to contribute besides to something we are allowed a place in his work here on earth. And it's beautiful. Diligence, applying all diligence. So to bring in besides, to contribute besides to something, that word diligence, I'm sorry, I forgot the Greek word. It means earnestness in accomplishing, promoting, or striving after anything. So it takes it takes work, it takes determination, it takes earnestness in promoting or striving after the goal to which God has set. And then the word add, applying all diligence in your uh, supply, I'm sorry, in your faith, supply, another term is add. And that Greek word, uh, both verbs suggest an abundant supply and are used of material uh, or of spiritual provisions. Now, I, when I, that's very difficult for me to preach, right, because uh, I'm worried. I'm accountable to what I say here, not just to the staff, not to, just to Josh and Meg or the elders, not, but to God. God calls me as an elder of the church. I'm accountable for the teachings that I bring. And so, I, you know, I get a little nervous because I'm trying to, uh, to talk to you about action, you know. Uh, to trying to talk to you about things that we're doing as opposed to what God is doing in us. But the reason that I can be so balanced in doing this or the reason that I can point to these things is the same reason that Peter is so balanced and the reason that he can use these verbs and that he can challenge us to work because of this, because of verse one. I'm sorry, verses, uh, verses three and four. Amy, you mind putting those back up? It's because of Christ. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So we don't get to be too puffed up, right? And we don't get to be afraid, like I told you before, man, if it's just being like, God, ah, I've failed before I've even started, right? But it's not It's not in our own power. It's because his divine power has granted to us everything that we need for life and godliness, right? So if he's calling us to do it, he's not hanging us out on a limb. He's giving us what we need to do that. He's giving us everything we need for life and godliness to put God in the center of our lives and out of that all, to obey and to, and to work. It's why Christ is the hero. Josh always encourages us to find why Christ is the hero. He's the hero. Nothing that I've done is good enough, but yet he's provided me power to live with life and godliness. And, and, and so he allows me and he invites me to join him in his work. So why, why if it's so wonderful... And true, uh, verses 3 and 4, you know, why if, if Jesus does it all, why is it still so difficult? Why is it so hard for us to be obedient? You know, I'm talking to you about all of the God of creation, knowing him, loving him, being just blown away by who he is. Not only who he is, but in his pursuit of us, his love of us, that alone should just create this huge excuse me, Oh, we should be able to see nothing else but his love for us, right? And yet, it's, it's not so. So, I only read through verse eight. I want to read nine. I just listen, I didn't, I didn't give it to Amy. But it says, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. So, this is why we're two things. We're forgetful and we're nearsighted, right? We've forgotten what he's done, and we, we, we don't see past this life. And those are huge things. I can't, I can't just sit here and talk you out of those things. But think about those things. Paul, Peter says, you're, you're so nearsighted, you're almost blind. You're only looking at this. Right. And half the time we're looking at each other. We're doing comparisons. We're looking at theologians. We're looking at people who we wish we were more like. A lot of us we're looking at Meg Kelly. She's not here tonight, but she's St. Meg. Right. You know, so love you, Meg. See you later. So, uh, you know, that's who I think about, you know, just what a what an example, you know. And we look at her and we think, my, why can't I be more like Meg? Why can't I give more of my life like that? And why can't I pour into people's lives like this? Not to just lift her up. I just, it's easy to, it's easy to see those things in her life. And so the ultimate standard of godliness is Christ. And we're so busy being nearsighted and looking at each other that a lot of times we fail to look at Christ. And we forget, we forget what he's done. I don't. I don't have one of these staring me in the face at work. Maybe I need to. I don't have a cross hanging on my wall. I do at home some. Uh, you know, but I'm, I'm so forgetful, right? The things he has done for us, the way he has rescued us, the redeeming plan that they set out, the, the Trinity set out to work out for us and in us, he values us. He loves us. He pursues us. And yet we forget, and I let material things, and I let uh, perceptions from people and uh, worldly things, right? We let so many things blur our vision. We let so many things distract us, and this isn't a distraction sermon, but I, I just think about these things that take our sight away from God. And somehow, as powerful as he is, he's allowed us to let him go, right? And that's that's what's so frustrating. Like we can, I can be as wrapped up in uh, boats, or I don't want to start saying stuff because I don't want to offend people. I'm thinking more about myself. Like the things I get wrapped up in. Uh, I can be so so centered on something, you know. I I, I just get twisted off on on the next big thing that I want to purchase or the next big thing I feel like I should be good at or the next, the next thing that will make me more acceptable to other people, right? Where the one thing he's called us to do is not the one thing, but one of the things is to, to develop that attitude that where the awe of him brings about obedience in every situation. What does that look like? Um. We're going we're gonna to pray in a little bit. I'm not, I don't have much more, but we're going to pray in a bit. And, and I'm going to ask you that. I'm going to ask you to think about what that looks like if Christ was head in my life in every area. So where Josh has been uh, the last uh, two weeks that he's preached, he's talked about the spiritual disciplines. And I want to touch on them again just quickly. I don't want to revisit. He's done such a great job in my life personally. I've enjoyed listening to this stuff. But the thing about Christ, the reason he was the standard, because he had a front row seat, right? And it wasn't just because he was there. He came here to us, and he still kept his eyes on the Father, right? He was so good at keeping his eyes on the Father, allowing, not allowing, letting God have that place in his life. The same thing that we're being called to do to develop that attitude where God has the rightful place, and everything we do comes out of that awe and reverence. So, (coughs) You don't know the Father, if you don't pursue the Father, if you don't spend time with the Father, if you don't abide with the Father, are, there, are these verbs or are these pictures, they sound familiar? They, they describe Jesus' life. He was, he was locked in, right? And that is the opposite of me. I am I am not locked in on anything. I don't think. It's difficult. So Christ knew the father, he pursued the father's word, he pursued the father's will, he pursued the father's approval. I believe spiritual disciplines do that in our lives. Again, I'm not going to stay here long, I'm not going to try and re-preach what Josh preached, but it ties in with godliness in our lives. So to have God in his right place, we need to know God, we need to trust God, and we need to, to see that awe. Don't you desire that awe? I can only I can only ask that. I come to church on Sundays, and I sit, and I listen. I'm led in worship, and it's one of the greatest places I'm ever at. I, I'm not just saying that. Like, I love coming here. I, I love, Sometimes I'm socially awkward, and sometimes I'm weird and goofy, and sometimes I just don't even know what to say half the times. But standing in that pew during worship and sitting under Josh, who I've come to trust and love, those times are, it's like we're in a monastery. It's like we're shielded from the world. And just for this little bit, we're allowed to just experience the Father. And it's not on accident. He calls us to do it every day, right? He calls us to do it. So let's talk about, I just want to list some disciplines to just, to just get you thinking in line with letting God have that place in your life. I don't think this is exhaustive, but I tried to look up everything that was considered a spiritual discipline. So Josh already talked about tithing and confession and and, uh, having Sabbath, allowing Sabbath to be there. Um, Prayer, uh, big spiritual discipline. Study of the word, of course, every time. I know we talk about spiritual disciplines, quiet time pops into into my head. Fasting is a spiritual discipline. (laughs) Solitude. I don't know how good you guys are at that. That's tough. We have four kids. Chris is extremely good at like releasing me from, from our family. It's not bad. I love you guys. But it's, uh, there are times when it's time to just get away, right? You guys, Jamie, you know what I'm talking about? Good. Uh, it's good. It's good for solitude to happen. Confession, tithing, uh, submission, something we don't practice very often a lot of us are oppressed maybe in our jobs or in 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 different areas in life what if we willfully submitted to different things what if we willfully submitted to to the to the characteristics to the truths that god has set before us service that's not something i need to beat over you guys head with a hammer you guys are are, y'all do really well at service um generosity that's that's nice to think about even though my wallet may be empty right generosity as a spiritual discipline confession celebration different forms of celebration can be a spiritual discipline because he celebrates with us and worship something we're about to do here in a couple minutes a spiritual discipline you and i let's practice a spiritual discipline tonight let's let's get to know the father better by singing about his renown, singing about his glory. So, that's what I found. That's what I found in terms of spiritual disciplines. And if you begin to bring those things into your life, they begin to bring you closer and closer to the Father, right? The more you take away the things of this earth that are so shiny and so distracting, and the more you allow God's ways and God's goodness to come into your lives. The, the more you just move that direction, right? So my question to you as I close uh, is this, is how would your life look if God was taking the correct place in all things? I'd, again, I'm right there with you. I'm not trying to beat you over the head with a hammer. Like if, if God took the rightful place in our lives, uh, let's say there's a throne in, in your life, uh, whatever, there's a throne, And you say, God, I want you to sit on that throne and I want you to rule and I want you to reign over every area. Your workplace, your marriages, your parenting, your friendships, your personal families. It's Mother's Day. A lot of us, like I said, we've spent time, some of us have spent time with our extended families. Sometimes that's tough, right? What would your life look like uh, if God was taking the correct place in all things, and you began to develop godliness, that as he sat on that throne, you began to see him, and awe just began to, to be developed in you, and out of that awe, you just, you just desired to serve him, you desired to, to be right before him, and we put away all those childish and selfish things. Not for the sake of your reputation and your renown, but for his, right? That's one of the kickers is, well, I can do that. You know, I can, I can, let's get some generosity going or let's, you know, I don't know. Let's, let's start some fasting. A lot of times our motivation is, well, I hope enough people see that I'm growing and I'm changing in the Lord. You know, that's not for our renown. It's, it's for his. His. It's not for the sake of your legacy, but for his glory. I, I think about my own mom. She, she would wake up in the mornings and eventually, she wasn't always like this, but eventually she would have her Bible out on this little ottoman thing we had. And as I was running around the house getting ready for school each morning, I, I would notice it. I would notice her Bible open on that thing. And I would see her praying, you know, and she's an amazing woman. She's such a good woman. And I think about that with our kids. I watch Chris. Chris has begun to do devotionals with Addie in the bed. I'm trying to get dressed, and they're reading the Bibles. I'm tippy-toeing. They're praying, you know. Um, and then Jack has come out, and, and I'm bragging on Chris. I don't mean to embarrass you, but she's doing so well in terms of obeying God and pouring into our kids, right? And So I'm seeing that stuff. And that's what's hard sometimes is, is I'm kind of like, well, uh you know, I hope they see that I'm doing that for them. Or I hope people find out I'm doing that, you know, because, man, they'll think I'm a better person. But it's not for the sake of our own legacies. It's for the sake of his glory. So if the motivation is there, if you placing him on that throne and then acting out of that in every area, if that motivation is, is, is for you, then that's not going to, that'll be worth nothing. But it's for his glory. It's to see effective spirituality, not just religion. It's to join the vine and bearing fruit where there once was nothing. So I know I'm not a great communicator, but he is allowing us to join him in this. He's allowing us to come in beside him and to supply these things. He has given us uh, everything we need for life and godliness. So I know this is not necessarily a seeker-filled message. I know that that what I've talked about is godliness springboarding out from faith, right? We have to build on that faith which he's given and we've accepted. We haven't even done anything there, right? Uh, But what if you say, hey, what if I don't even know God? What if I don't have the faith that you have? What if I don't claim to believe in the cross or believe in Christ? or, You know, how do you expect me to be like him or to obey out of awe? You know, what does that even mean? I would a lot like chase last weekend I, I would have asked you just to come talk with me i 'm um, wearing a white shirt and gray pants uh, i 'm a big guy there 's not many people my size i don 't think i 've asked to do some clothes swaps with some people and that doesn 't happen you 're so selfish i 'm um, Jake. <laughs> Please come talk to me. If this is, if you say, Jake, that's, that's okay. You did all right. You know, you, you, that's fine. But I don't know how, I don't know how shaky my faith is right there. I, there's <laughs> trust me. You don't want to build anything on what I'm working with. Right? If that's you, man, talk to me. Let me tell you what I'm in awe of. Let me show you the all I have. Y'all, y'all pray with me in the, in the bank and start working up. <clears throat> Father God, Lord, I ask these people that question. I I really hope it would somehow stick, not not because it's a good question, but because we need to ask ourselves that. Like what would happen if we allowed you to rule and reign over every area? Father God, help us as we sit here, help us as we go out from this place to look at our lives, and to see where we've, where we've taken that reign and we've taken that control, and we're kind of doing it on our own, or we're in kind of a spiritual autopilot. We're not relying on any power that you've given us for for life and godliness, Father God. Help us as a people to assess our own lives, to step back and say, God, where where is it in my life that you don't sit on the throne? <clears throat> and then, Lord. Even if it's not going to happen tonight or tomorrow or next week or next year. Lord, help us to still grab hold of what you're doing and just hang on. Lord God, may we join with you. Help us to understand that. Even if I've not explained it well, help us to just be blown away just by the fact that you've, you've included us. You've asked us to be partakers of the divine nature. You've invited us. Lord God, may we know you, and by knowing you, may we just, may we just stand in awe of you, Father God. Lord, as we, we, as we walk into worship, we sing beautiful words, we hear beautiful music, and Lord God, may we not just be emotionally carried away, may you just show us truth, and may even just the act of letting these words roll off our tongue, Father God, may it just develop in us diligence. In just moving closer to you, may we stop moving towards the worldly things, towards fleshly lust, toward the love of money, toward appeasement. Father God, but may we just move to you. May we desire you. Be our king. May we not be so nearsighted. May we not be blind. And May we not forget. Lord, help us, help us, help us. You've given us power. May we not be so scared because it seems so daunting or overwhelming, Father God. But may may we just take hold of the power that you have given through your life and your death, your resurrection, your redemption. You are beautiful, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, you are good. And we thank you for pursuing and for loving. Lord God, for changing, may we desire sanctification. May we desire growth. May we desire, even if we walk around like, like Gospel Peter now, Lord, may we grow to men and women of, of faith and of godliness. Just be praised, Father God. Work this out in us. May we be eager. May we strive with diligence. We love you, Father. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.